0: Lot TALK RADIO
1: Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, national spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor, Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider.
2: All righty, thank you very much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends, Tucker Milling. So uh, thanks for tuning in. It's been a little while, but things are starting to settle down. It's been a little crazy, wouldn't you say, over the last... A few months and really over the last thirty days, and so I think it's time to just get back to some normacy, get back to some good old chicken talk, get back to some uh bringing all of us back together uh, as one as chicken lovers, as chicken keepers, and because uh, that's i'm sure uh, all of our listeners would agree. That's our happy place, is it not is <laughs> talking about chickens and my wife and I um, noticed this firsthand uh over well over a decade ago, probably about fifteen years ago when I started the first local Atlanta backyard chicken meetup group, which grew to over uh, two thousand members. We noticed early on when we would pick a place throughout the city of Atlanta and the Atlanta metro area, uh, we would have uh, many, many people come to our meetings. We'd break bread together. Maybe it was at a a buffet restaurant and and we'd rent their uh, community room out and we would notice folks from all walks of life, all walks of life. It didn't matter if you were left or right or, or the color of your skin or gay or straight. I mean, It didn't matter. We had people come in from all walks of life all over the Atlanta metro area. And, and we, we'd sit there. We'd break bread together. We'd talk about our, 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 our love of chickens and backyard poultry and all the benefits thereof. And me and my wife would kind of step back and look at what was going on. And we would notice, because we'd know a lot of these people personally, and we would notice and we'd watch them sitting across from each other and laughing and having a great time and talking about what crazy things their chickens did today or yesterday or last week. And we would make, often make the comment that, you know what, look at Phil and Sally. And, you know, when they walk out the front door after this meeting is over, they go their separate ways and, and, and more ways than one uh, with the way they live their life, their, their beliefs, whatever it may be. But for two hours today, that we came together. We all came together. We sat down at the, at the same table and we talked about our enjoyment of this uh, hobby of backyard poultry, this lifestyle for some people of keeping backyard poultry and homesteading. And we laughed and we had a great time. And then we walk out the front door and then we just go all our separate ways. But so, so the, the podcast we've been doing now for, uh, I don't know, 12 or 13 years, it's the same. You can take a little break during your day and, and, and forget about the kind of the news headlines and come in and, and, and enjoy yourself. This show used to air at noon every day uh, so people who, who um, corporate world or even back in, in their backyard could come in, have some lunch, sit down, make a sandwich, and, and, and listen and have a good time uh, and learn about their hobby and their lifestyle of keeping backyard poultry. And we used to do it at noon, but uh, for a long, long, long time, it's always been kind of 2 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on, on Thursday. But it's uh, I always share that story a lot of times when I'm touring the country as well and, and how, you know, it's and, and I hate the cliche in the term melting pot. I really do. But I would use it in my class like, you know, the keeping of chickens is that it's so many different uh, people and lifestyles. And they all have their own reason for keeping chicken, whether it be meat or insect control or education for the kids or provide food for their family or whatever the case may be. And so for this next hour, uh, we put all those headlines aside. We come together as chicken keepers and try to learn more uh, about our flock and put a smile on our face and have a good time, regardless of what's, what's happening out there outside of our homestead, outside our front door in uh, the world. So that's that's what we like to do. And of course, chicken keeping is not without its controversy because people all have their opinion on that. So, you know, we understand that whether it be, you know, oh, I can't keep chickens for meat or oh, I have to do this or whatever. There, there's always controversy. If you get into the blogs and the forums and the, and the chicken groups, there's, believe me, uh, no uh, lack of i don't know people like to say karens there's no lack of karens in the chicken group that's for sure so uh if your name karen i apologize for that i'm sure you're tired of that that little uh, uh <laughs> um whatever you want to call it uh, saying for this that's kind of taken place but yeah there's no there's no shortage of um headstrong opinion, folks. And uh, th- th- the one reason why we try to stay out of that is we just try to post, and we've been doing this for, a way, again, well over a decade, science-based, fact-based, study-based information. Here it is. Take it or leave it. Here, Here's the information from poultry professionals, poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, poultry nutritionists. Here's a study. Here's this study. Here's that study. Here's proof. Here's this article. Do with it what you wish. Um, I'm not I, you know, it's not like we're just telling you, here's the information. If you do disagree with it, fine. If you want to implement it, great. If you don't, great. If you're doing what you're doing, it's different than this and it's working for you. By all means, keep doing it. Um, and, uh, but, but it's, it's, we can either just step back and say, hey, this is not my opinion. Oh, I've been doing this for 40 years and this is what works for me. I'm, this is not, oh, well, I heard this on another blog, so I'm going to share it on this blog. This is, you know, we try to keep it very educational Science-based, fact-based study-based information. That way, I can sleep at night, not knowing.
0: Hmm. I wonder
2: if that uh, recommendation I made today is going to end up harming chickens or delay care for chickens because they're going to try this and it's just not going to work uh, because it's just my opinion. So, um, so there, there's no shortage of disagreement and. Um, in <laughs> the chicken blogs, you guys who who are on there know that. So, but uh, hey, let's let's take some time. I'm gonna go before we get started. We got some more pe- people coming in. Uh, I'm still organizing my list, and I need to open up. I'm on my wife's uh, Mac Daddy laptop where I broadcast from, and I need to open up my Facebook account on that so I can get over to these blogs and forums as well. Um to add to my list I have today, but today's guest, as you all know, because I've been posting it uh, all over uh, the uh, social media today, is our good friend, Dr. Maurice Peteski, poultry veterinarian uh, at UC Davis. He's been a contributor to Chicken Whisper magazine for probably a decade. He's been coming on the show for probably a decade. And uh, it's just a, a great resource uh, for all of us to learn more about our backyard flocks. He's going to be our guest today. Uh, I've titled this kind of this week's top questions from chicken keepers. And what I've done uh, this morning uh, is just kind of visit those chicken blogs, chicken forums, chicken groups on social media and look at what people are asking. Uh, if I see a pattern, then of course we'll add that question. So we have a lot, and these are coming directly uh, fr- from uh, chicken keepers that are asking these questions or what should I do? And one just popped up, not five minutes ago. Uh, and I said, Hey, you know, why don't you call in here in just a minute and ask your question to poultry veterinarian, Dr. Maurice Pateski?" Now, whether she does that or not, or if she gets, uh, or she becomes too chicken to call in, maybe she doesn't like a radio voice. That's fine. I've got her question. Uh, and we're going to ask it here. Not a lot, for our longtime listeners, a lot of this may be repeat, because let's face it, tons and tons, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands uh, of new chicken keepers developed over the last six months. Uh, for whatever reason, whether it be COVID, whether it be the election, whether it be uh, uh, civil unrest, whatever it be, hey, I've been wanting to do this for 10 years, now I'm going to actually jump off the fence and do it. Regardless, there's a lot of new chicken keepers. Today, some of it may be repeat. I, I guarantee some of it will, but it- it'll be a first time for a lot of folks, and that's what uh, so that's why we're going to go down this route. So I'm going to go to our first commercial break, and so when we come back, this will give you time to get that pen and paper and spiral notebook and whatever uh, to uh, start jotting down some notes as well. So we will return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken whisper right after this short commercial break. Stay with us, folks. When you need an incubator, think Ferenci, the incubation specialist's Frenzi has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brensea.com. That's B R I N S E A.com. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers.
1: Chickens across the country are flocking to Grubbits. These natural oven-dried black soldier fly larvae are sustainably raised right here in the USA. Grubbits account for 10 to 15 percent of a normal diet and are available at almost half the price of some competing brands. More calcium, stronger eggshells, healthier feathers, happier hens. Find Grubbets online at grubbets.com, on social media, at Grubbets, or on Amazon, G-R-U-B-B-E-T-S. That's Grubbets, the feed chickens need. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider.
2: All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, just so happened that wasn't in any particular order that the commercial break ended with uh, Grubets or Grubbits, depending on uh, how you want to pronounce that. But I did notice this week they've reduced the price um, uh, back down to when they initially launched on Amazon for a two-pound bag, $16.99. Um, the, uh, uh, there's another uh, brand that's out there that's been out there for a little while, and uh, they're just – I don't want to go, well, are you getting ripped off? That's for you to determine. Uh, Are they charging too much? That's for you to determine. But a two pound bag of the competitors USA sourced black soldier fly larvae is about maybe even well about double the price. Double. I mean, we're not talking about $1 or $2 extra or $3 and, you know, hey, I've been loyal to that brand, so $1 or $2 isn't going to kind of sway me, but h- almost half the price. Uh, again, USA source black soldier fly larvae um, that you may already be giving your flock. Um, hopefully, it's at that 10% daily ration or less. If you must give treats, you know I don't, uh, but many of you do save some scratch okay save some money, save some scratch to get that to catch that in there <laughs> so and uh try amazon right now two pound package sixteen ninety nine two pound package of the competitors like twenty eight ninety nine huge huge difference u s a sourced black soldier fly larvae so uh, check them out grubettes uh at uh, you can find them on amazon just type in grubettes Grubets black soldier fly larvae and it'll it'll come up all right I got over here to the uh to my particular Facebook while we were at break and I'm going to get it geared up here. Um, and I'm going to lead off with a question. You may have heard me ask Dr. P- Pitesky before, but now we're in the season of this happening. Um, and, uh, I'll lead off with this one. So let me go ahead over here to the switchboard and I'll bring on uh, Dr. Maurice Pitesky, poultry veterinarian from UC Davis. Uh, Maurice, thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're uh, you and your family and everybody are, or, um, Doing well through all everything that's going on in the country right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I thought everything was fine. all <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> It's good to be here, Andy. Like thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad we have this sense of normalcy still. It's good to have. I'm I'm happy to be
2: here. I know, right? We could just kind of get weight off our shoulders, get here, and we could talk about chickens and the best way to uh, uh, raise them and keep them happy and healthy. So I'm going to start off with this because um, I think I maybe even asked that the last time we had this top 10 questions from Chicken Keepers uh, episode when you were on, but now it is – it is fall. Now we are getting closer to winter. Now chickens are molting. Now chickens are, people are kind of getting ready to prepare for winter. Uh, and, and the blogs and the forums and the groups are just flooded with this question. And so we're going to nip it in the bud one more time, because you and I've been working together long enough to be and see on the same page. Um, and that is, it's kind of a, kind of a dual question here. Um, Do I need to fatten my hens up for winter or you need to fatten your hens up by for winter by start giving them scratch and corn and something like, you know, people have their opinion on that. Scratch is better. Whole corn is better because it takes more energy to break down. And and, and, that, and that's a third one kind of falls into that. Um, I'm going to keep my chickens warmer in the winter by giving them corn, whole corn, especially in the evening before they go to roost, because that will keep them warmer. And I must do that. So kind of a three part question. Number one, do I need to fatten them up? <laughs> for winter and by doing mm-hmm. that you know the number one answer is corn too um again do do i need to um uh, uh give them that corn to help them warm uh in the evening and there was a third one in there that i've already forgot but i'm going to turn it over to you and let you kind of go down this uh this uh, topic that always happens around this time of year
3: yeah so um i do get that question um every once in a while um so the, the short answer is no, um, and, I'll, and I'll give you a reason why. So um, corn and scratch are these very high energy um, kind of types of, of, of feed um, that, don't, that aren't balanced. So if you have a laying hen, uh, that laying hen on average is going to eat about 120 grams of feed every single day. Um, and if you give them a pelleted feed from a commercial feed mill, stuff that you would get at a pet store, um, that has a mixture of, uh, energy, which is basically corn and protein, which is basically soy and then various, uh, minerals and, uh, vitamins. Um, so what happens when you give them corn, so let's say you gave them 10 grams of corn a day. Um, and let's come up with a scenario where you gave them 60 grams of corn a day because you want to fatten them up, um, as you were describing. So, so the reality is is um, you're, you're displacing now um, in the second scenario, you're displacing basically half of their diet with corn. So the reality is now that they're not getting a, a balanced diet. So just like you and I, when we don't get a balanced diet, if we eat you know donuts half of the day, if we, if we have 2,000 calories a day on average, and a 1,000 of our calories come from donuts, it's going to be really hard to balance our diet with a, um, a, a, all the different uh, nutrients that we need. Same thing with chicken feed. The, the great thing about chicken feed, chickens are probably, from a nutritional perspective, probably the best-studied animal on the planet
0: mm-hmm. um,
3: just because we, we, we kind of need them to be uh, – if you're a farmer, uh, you, know, you, you put most of your money into your, into your feed costs, so there is a huge push to come up with feeds that are efficient and cost effective. So, um, you know, the, 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 reality is if I, if I just give them corn, then I'm, I'm, I'm kind of ignoring and not utilizing kind of the best nutrition that those birds can get um, in the wintertime. What, what typically happens is your birds, if they are still in lay, so there's different birds that go into molt that don't go into molt, um, all those type of things. It depends on your latitude, all, the, all those things. There's a lot of variables there. Um, but, but in general, your birds during the wintertime are just not going to be as efficient because they're warm-blooded like you and I, um, and they will use the energy they have to keep themselves warm. So um, the, the, the bad part about being warm-blooded is that uh, the majority of your energy goes into keeping your, our bodies, for example, at 98.6, chicken's bodies at you know, 101-ish or so, um, but, um, that's where the energy goes. So in the winter, it takes a little more energy to do that, but the rations they get are, are more than appropriate for that. The only thing you just won't get, if you were, a, if you were a commercial poultry farmer, you'd be like, wow, I'm to give my chickens more food and I'm not getting as many eggs right now. So, uh, from an economic perspective, there's, there's kind of a price to be paid in cold weather. but there is no price to be paid from a um, kind of a, a backyard um, poultry perspective. So it's really um, you you would be doing a disservice because one of the more common things we get in, in birds that are obese is we get um, uh, what's called fatty livers, uh, fatty liver disease. So uh, for those of you like that, like fragois, for example, that, that's, you know, might be a good thing, but the reality is, is if you give them tons of corn, uh their their chicken livers um become kind of fatty, and when they become fatty, they actually become what we call friable and friable is just a fancy word for saying that that chicken liver now can easily basically break um and when it breaks it's it's the the blood vessels in that liver also break and and the chicken can literally bleed internally and it, it is a life threatening um process so um, when you see a, a fat chicken, um, you know, you, you might be thinking, oh, it's nice and warm and hearty for the winter. And actually, you're, you're kind of doing the, the, the opposite because you, you, I promise you, if you open up that chicken and you compare that liver to a healthy liver, it, it, it would look almost pale um, and be very friable. Again, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very easily to, to, to bleed. And that's, that's a relatively common problem in backyard birds. You don't want fat chickens um, for that specific reason. Um, so, I know we all want to, and I'm the same way. We want to tinker um, and we want to change things and 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 optimize them. But sometimes, uh, not often, but sometimes, doing the least amount of work, like just giving them their normal feed, is 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 actually the the best thing to do. And I, I know we, some of us have personalities, including myself, where we just want to tinker because it's fun. Um, but, but we're actually doing them a disservice. But the poultry feed that, that is um, commercially available is, is really safe. It's healthy. There are very few circumstances that I would um, change that feed. The commercial guys are really lucky um, in the sense that um, they go through five or, or even sometimes more rations, depending on you know, broilers and layers and things like that. And all they're really doing is changing the amount of protein they're giving the birds. So younger birds, it's like younger kids, need a lot of protein so they can build strong muscles. And as they get older, they need more energy. So protein is expensive. So as as backyard owners, we really only have two choices for feed. We have a starter feed, which has a lot of protein in it. And we have a layer feed, if we're dealing with layers, um, that has more calcium and less protein and more energy into it. Um, so we just pay a little more for our feed for all kinds of reasons, including those starter feeds we use for about 17 weeks and they, they have a lot of protein in them. So hopefully that answers the question a little.
2: Sure. So, so obviously my takeaway there is regarding the, no, we don't need to fatten them up for the winter. They're going to do fine. Number two, uh, we learned about the kind of the negative effects of corn, uh, and the effects of like fatty liver disease and the fact how that can um, uh, dilute the nutrition uh, or the nutritionally balanced laying pellets that, that we're giving them. And then I remember talking to you one time, I may have been on the show, about this, you know, giving them a little bit of corn in the evening before they go to roost will help keep them warm in the winter. And if, I, if memory serves, your your answer to that, Dr. Pitesky was, well, probably at a scientific basis that probably takes place, but it would be no different than, than eating some laying pellets before they go up to roost. In fact, uh, but, but the negative effects of giving that corn every single night throughout the winter would be far greater um, because of the negative effects of corn you just talked about versus just, you know, uh, acting like the pellets are a treat, sprinkling it down like you would your scratch, having them eat the laying pellets and going up the roost. Just the, because there's laying pellets, a lot of them are, have corn in them already. In fact, if you look at a pellet real closely, you can even see some pieces uh, of corn in the pellet. And uh, so, it's, you know, number one, you'll get the same effect of the chickens, you know, uh, being maybe warmer at night because their digestive system is pumping away at what they just ate but they it, will be the same with laying pellets or the whole corn you give them and they'll be healthier for that
1: correct
3: and and the only thing I completely agree with everything you said the only thing I would add on to that is is um and this is this gets above my you know knowledge I'm not a nutritionist but a nutritionist if they were on the show right now would say well if you just gave whole corn Now the corn that you're getting in feed is going to be more metabolizable um, and it's going to um, generate more kilocalories of energy than just giving whole corn to your chicken. So the way that they heat treat and press the corn really matters. And that matters for soy and everything like that. So some people might say, well, I just make my own feed. I see what's on the ingredient bag and I, and I, I, figure it out right and and that's only half the ingredients are really only half of the equation the second half of the equation which gets pretty complicated is like well what's the actual metabolizable energy how many kilocalories of energy is this mm-hmm. is this chicken actually getting when they actually eat that feed that is not a trivial thing to do and that's where you need these like bomb calimeters and and you need to get you know your feed analyzed and you know, if you're a large commercial poultry operation, those are all, you know, things that a nutritionist and and, and a nutritional lab will do for you and you'll have your own feed mill, um, and to, to kind of, you know, kind of play with that and optimize that. Um but but for our purposes, those are aren't things that we're really gonna mess around with. You know, very rarely are there situations where you're really gonna mess with the with the feed and, and the commercial folks that the typical time they'll mess with the feed ration is just when costs change. So if you have drought or flooding, um, then you need to, to potentially come up with substitutes. And that's where the nutritionist really makes their money. The nutritionist makes their money by finding substitutes. So you, it's, it's fascinating going around the world and seeing how different parts of the world feed their chickens. Um, you know, they, they use a lot more fish meal, for example, in, 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 in East Africa. Um, and, and it just, it just changes and it's fascinating to kind of see that because there's the it really comes down to price, you know, for our purposes, it's, it, it's really, it comes, these are, these are backyard birds. They're, they don't, they don't have a, a job per se. They're, they're more our entertainment and, and just a handful of birds, you know, even if we optimize their diet would, would, would save us not, not a lot of money, but, but I, if we mess with their diet too much, I promise you, we will have problems eventually, I know a lot of people always say, well, I don't have problems with my chickens, and that certainly might be so, um, and that's that's great, but, but you are kind of, you know, rolling the dice a little more um, under that scenario.
2: Perfect. That That's a great uh, wrap-up. And you had mentioned protein, so it's kind of a great segue to our next topic, which um, <laughs> I want to refer everybody to... Um, It was probably about two issues ago of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, where a a poultry scientist, PhD, Zach Williams from, I believe he's up at Michigan State University, um, did a a fantastic article, and you can see it and read it for free at chickenwhisperermagazine.com. In fact, if you just go to Google, I mean, let's do it even easier. If you just go to Google and type in Chicken Whisperer Magazine, uh, and then... Uh, the, follow that up, Chicken Whisper Magazine, the risk of too much protein. The article will automatically come up and you can read And where he covers so many of the myths that are out there on, on the blogs about, um, uh, my chickens are molting and the number one answer is throw protein at them. Start game bird uh, starter at 30% protein. Start giving them canned cat food or dry cat food or dry dog food or all the. So he goes individually in this article and talks about why just throwing protein uh, at more protein at your birds is not the right answer. Cat food is definitely not the right answer, and the risk of doing this. And then he gets into detail about, you know, the, the type of protein. It's more about the amino acids uh, than say just the protein itself, because many different proteins are usable and not usable, and it can. They many have uh, disastrous side effects. Whether a more moist litter and then more ammonia in the coop. And I mean, all it's a fabulous article. So I want to let folks go down that go down that route regarding just throwing protein at the birds because you saw it on a blog or heard it in a forum. Uh, because again, that, 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 what it falls back to doc is that, oh, feathers or 70 or 80% protein. So by me just starting to throw 30% protein at my birds, that will help them get through the moat. by giving uh, a bunch of cat food that's higher in protein that'll help them get through the molt. And so we'll keep it simple because I want to move on to the next one. But, um, what's your view when someone comes up and says, hey, or you see that, he says, you know, uh, oh, my birds are starting to molt, I need to just switch over to game bird starter at 30% protein. Or I need to start giving, just up their protein by giving them cat food because they correlate this, you know, growing feathers, they need more protein or since feathers are mostly protein, they need more protein in their diet. What what say you when you cross that that bridge?
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so
3: when birds molt, um, they do lose their feathers, obviously, and feathers do have a lot of protein in them, and they have to regrow those feathers. So, so the the con- concept of of needing a higher protein or more protein is, is definitely appropriate um, from a, I guess, a conceptual perspective. Um, where it gets challenging is so, and, and here's where 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 I, I get I don't have a good answer for some people on this question. So some people have, Mm -hmm. let's say five backyard chickens and some of them are molting and some of them are not molting. Mm -hmm. So the ones that are molting aren't producing eggs. If they're not producing eggs, they don't need calcium in their diet. If they have too much calcium in their diet, you could run into some kidney problems.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: The ones that are molting are, are, are are in that scenario. The ones that are still in lay need a laying diet. So unless you're going to separate your birds out, um, and give the molting birds a molting ration and the laying birds a laying ration, you're kind of stuck. So mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who does, the, who, who, who kind mm-hmm. of separates their birds out. So in that scenario, you have two choices basically, because you, you don't really have commercial molting rations per se. And they molt for, you know, anywhere from, they can mold up to, up to 10 to 12 weeks sometimes. So um, the, the option is, well, should I just give all my birds, because I have some birds that are in lay, some birds that are molting. Should I give my birds a, a starter ration, which has higher protein in it, um, but doesn't have as much calcium in it? Or should I give my, um, my birds a, uh, a layer ration, which, might not, which has higher calcium and maybe not enough protein? So my anecdotal answer is just to stay on a layer ration, um, because we probably are getting enough protein in there, maybe not ideally, um, enough protein, but enough for them to be productive. I haven't heard anything anecdotally from anyone that said, oh yeah, my birds are molting. I kept them on a layer ration and their feathers didn't grow back. I've never heard that. Um, so maybe their fe- <laughs> so their feathers <laughs> will still grow back. Maybe they won't put as much protein into their eggs. Maybe they won't be as productive, something like that. Is, I could, I could certainly see as possible. And to me, the bigger risk is to not provide calcium to my, um, to my birds that are still in lay, because if they're not getting, you know, four and a half to five and a half grams of calcium a day, then they're going to start pulling that calcium from their bones. And eventually they're not going to have, they're going to have thin shelled eggs and they're not going to have enough calcium. And that's when you start running in, in, in their own body and you start running in all kinds of physiological problems at that point. So, it, it, it is like in a perfect world, you'd have a molting ration. I, I don't know, you know, what if you, let's say you had all your birds that were molting now. So now the argument is like, well, should I just put my birds on a starter feed because it doesn't have as much calcium in it, it's got higher protein, or should I use one of these other bird rations that have higher protein? I don't know the answer to that. I, my, my sense is not to mess with things too much and just to switch to mm-hmm. a starter diet um, because that's, you know, kind of balanced more for poultry um, as opposed to other um, avian species. But I, 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 I'm not a nutritionist yeah, that, and I haven't really spent too much time thinking about that question, but it is something that does come up.
2: That falls into uh, what what Zach was saying about, you know, if you were to choose to do that, then at 20% would be max and you could get that from another, uh, ch- chicken-designed ration, where, like you said, starter, maybe a grower, to where you, let's go from, let's say your layer is 16 pellet, and you go up to 20% max, but um, but not the game bird starter at 28%, definitely not the cat food, which is a totally different type of protein that chickens yeah. and amino acids that chickens don't even use or utilize, so you're kind of wasting your mm-hmm. time and money there. So yeah, that, that fits in right with, with exactly what he was saying. And lastly, kind of getting molt out of the way, um, I've heard this a lot lately with uh, chickens or, or chicks that people got in the spring. Uh, and now they're, you know, 20 to 26 weeks of age. They're anticipating that first egg and they're complaining. They're like, I've been feeding these, you know, uh, freeloaders for you know five months now and I still haven't got my first leg uh, egg from them. And the next thing you know, you start to see this in about, well, you need to up their protein. So there's this, this, uh, I think misunderstanding out there that uh, protein will magically um, create eggs. Protein will magically help them lay. Protein will help you get more eggs or, you know, that type of thing. So uh, since we've kind of covered the molt thing, how do we address this with folks that say, you know, my chickens aren't laying yet, they're 27 weeks, and then people just start flooding that that question with, we need to up their, propane, uh, up, up their protein. Pro- they have this, theory that protein equals egg production protein equals better egg production um and and what say you on on that with the protein and more eggs or protein just in order to get them to start laying faster uh right out of the chute when they're 20 26 weeks old
3: yeah so it it, it kind of reminds me of when you're like a first-time parent and your your <laughs> your baby's not not walking and and you're you know frantically asking, like, well, what do I need to do? Why isn't my baby walking or talking? And then, and then by the time you have, you know, number two or number three or, or, or whatever, you're like, hey, they'll, they'll figure it out. It's, it's not like we're going to have an 18-year-old not walking, you know, as as as, as, a, as, a, as a bee. Um, so, um, you know, th- there's a few things that cause egg production. Um, so it's not just age. So, you know, we have um, – you know, kind of standard uh, poultry breeds that we kind of understand. Uh, around 18 to you know 20 weeks, they start, excuse me, producing eggs. Um, but the but the other things that 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 requ- that were required to have before that is is weight too. So um, if if we have birds that are that are not the weight that they should be, in, it just depends, you know, on, on the breed. Um, and there's obviously a lot of, a lot of range, um, in, 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 weights between some of the smaller and some of the larger ones, but, um, weight also dictates whether they are, um, going to be sexually mature and then light is also really important. So, um, having, uh, enough light stimulation is, 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 really essential too. Um, so when you have your, your birds, you want to make sure in a, in a perfect world, you want to make sure that they're sexually mature right when the days are starting to get longer um and you know in a perfect world that's the way you, you would you would time it um but that's not always a perfect world obviously but in in big picture sense it's not just age that dictates when your bird's going to lay it's also um their weight and and that has to do with their nutrition that has to do with uh um are they stressed or not stressed do they have adequate um not access to a a balanced starter feed um, and then also the light issue, are, are they getting, you know, 14 to 16 hours of light a day, um, in order to stimulate, um, in order, in order to, 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 to stimulate ache production? Um, cause those are, those are, those, so those are the three things that are kind of required. Protein will not magically do the, the latter. They can help a little with weight gain, obviously. Um, but, um, you know, sometimes some birds, um, you know, are, some chicks are born from um, you know, mama hens that are older and those birds in general. So if, if you're, if you're, if you're a chicken and your mom is a little older when you were laid, um, those birds typically aren't as healthy. They're, they're usually fine, um, but, but they're what we call the end run um, birds and, and those end run ones usually are not as uniform and you know, they're kind of the, the run of the litter a little. So for backyard folks, we, we don't really notice too much of a difference. And, um, you know, I think when you order your, your birds from, um, from, from large hatcheries, I, you know, people that are ordering four or five birds at a time, they, they kind of get what they get. Right. And and the person mm-hmm. that orders 5,000 or the you know 5,000 chicks, they, they get, you know, kind of the pick of the litter a little. And then, when you go to the larger genetics companies like, you know, Aviogen and Cobb and Highline, uh, then it's the one that orders, you know, millions of birds, tens of millions of birds that gets the pick of the litter. And the one that orders 10,000 birds is kind of at the bottom of the, of the pecking order in that scenario. So there's, there's some genetics that comes into there too. And, 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 you know, they, you know, they, they, the larger companies kind of get can kind of make sure that they're, they're getting the, the best choice there. Um, For our purposes, that's not, you know, that's probably going into a little more detail on that end of it, but it is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. as you start to have, you know, the folks that are, that do hatch their own eggs, um, that, that there is kind of a sweet spot for um, what we call the parent flock, as far as the age of the parent flock. And um, as that parent flock ages, then the, the chicks might not be as uniform as productive Um, And it might take a little longer in those scenarios for those birds to, to be, um, to go in delay. So there's a lot of factors, but the big three are going to be weight. Like people are are kind of uh, hopefully realizing age, which, you know, is a really easy thing to kind of identify and the presence of light.
2: Okay. And, and I will also mention in there that I, that I see a lot that, once people have these new baby chicks, they're like, how soon can I give them treats? How soon can I give them watermelon? How soon can I give them mealworms? How soon? And and again, I reflect back on all the great shows you've done for us. uh, And I pull out when you were talking about um, treats and and baby chicks, where if you have a baby chick and and now we're talking about, again, how important it is to have a nutritionally balanced chick starter with all the correct, uh, um, requirements that they need. And the fact that because they're a baby chick, they're already eating such a minute amount, I mean, little grams uh, of of feed per per day. And then you're going to start throwing a watermelon and cantaloupe and mealworms and all this stuff at this baby chick. And with them already eating just a few grams a day, and then now they're having to have this junk food on top of that, which means they're getting even fewer than the little grams of the nutritionally balanced feed and how that how that can impact chicks maybe even more than uh, in their development and being a healthy adult even more than than the adults that we tend to because again the little bit that that chick is eating and and, and we're talking about grams and you're already diluting that so much with all these treats that you feel like you have to give when initially you feel like you're spoiling them but you're really just it's all about the chicken keeper feeling good about themselves not necessarily really you know making the baby chick feel good about themselves so I see that too regarding that um with the baby chicks and the treat you were you were talking about earlier so um Thank you for that let's um see the next one I have here on the list is i'm going to save that one because we we I know we've covered that one I think the last time but it's always good for everybody including myself to hear but let's talk about uh, salmonella here for for just a second I'm not going back to like the salmonella outbreaks that have occurred related to backyard poultry for you know years and years and years and years I'm talking about and I just saw it again today, actually, because I wasn't going to actually have this a part of, of, of today's podcast, but I saw it actually before I uh, signed on. And someone had snapped a picture with uh, a chicken with uh, part of a mouse hanging out of its beak. Uh, and then, of course, they, are, depending on the person, how long they've kept chickens, uh, you, we normally get two answers or two of the most popular answers are, ooh, gross, that's disgusting, um, or we get, hey <coughs> – or we get, hey, that's free protein, no problem. Um, or often sometimes they'll ask, is this detrimental or dangerous for my hen? I just saw it eat a mouse. And then the majority of the answers are no problem at all. That's just extra protein for them. They're omnivores and they eat all kinds of stuff. So so again, um, we we come back to this. It was, again, current topic because I saw it just before we signed on. And and my voice of reason dealing with you and Dr. McRae and everybody else for all these years is that, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I try to go through it, if you would kind of politically correct, say, look, I get it. You cannot stop a chicken from eating the occasional mouse if they find it, especially if you let them out of the coop in the run to free range in your backyard, or if you let them free range all the time, you know, you're going to see them battling and having tug of war over a small garter snake. You're going to occasionally see them eat a, a, a mouse, you know, but just because they're doing it doesn't mean it's the best thing for them. There are some ramifications. Then i kind of go on to, you know, uh, encouraging that behavior is not responsible. Yeah. They are occasionally may eat a mouse if they find it. Sure. That's, that's, you know, chicken behavior, but to encourage that by again, Oh, I turned over a rock in the garden. I found a bunch of baby mice and I fed them to my chickens. Um, that's where, uh, you know, we kind of want to stay away from because I always go back to, Hey, chickens eating mice can increase the chance of salmonella and their eggs, their vectors for disease, whether they're eating the little, um, Mouse turds are the mouse themselves, which guess where those turds are inside the mouse. Um, And then you have this full circle of the salmonella kind of pattern there um, regarding the mice and and salmonella connection. And, And people often, when I go down that route, they just roll their eyes because, well, this is natural behavior for a chicken. But that still doesn't make the... The science disappear that, you know, chickens eating mice, there's, they're, they're, they're vectors for disease, we know that, but whether it be commercial or our backyard, and why you can't stop them, encouraging that or assisting in them eating mice by giving it to them when you find them in the garden is probably not such a great idea because of the salmonella risk, both um, Outside the egg, and even inside the egg, and so what? What's when when you have folks, or, and, and I'm sure you see that all the time. Someone posts like "ooh," or they say, "I saw my chicken eat a mouse today." W- w- is this okay? W- what what's the what's Doctor Pateski's answer to that with this and the risk involved or the possible risk involved and uh, biosecurity, which we dwell on all the time.
3: <laughs> yep. No, that's that's the. It kind of comes down to that that issue. So more than anything, you know, if it's a it does happen, obviously, and um, that doesn't make it good because um, obviously rodents uh, can be carriers of all kinds of diseases, bad for the chicken, bad for humans, but, but it does happen. So, so first and foremost, if if I saw that, you know, if someone described that to me, I'd be like, okay, why are there rodents there and, and how can we mitigate, not always eliminate, but how can we mitigate um, those those rodents uh, from being there? So. Um, Do we need better biosecurity, better fencing, for example? Um, Do we need to do a better job of making sure that the poultry feed is put away at night, Um, et cetera, et cetera? Those are are kind of, the, to me, the most important things to focus on. Um, So then the question comes, like, okay, so I caught my chicken with a mouse. So someone might say, well, I'm terrified. I don't want my chickens to have uh, salmonella and get me sick um and and it kind of runs the gamut of, of people saying, "Huh, well that's that's not good to and and I I never going to eat the eggs again." to like, "Eh, it's just chickens being chickens." Um so to that point, it's it's a little complicated. So so what do we know about rodents? Rodents can carry salmonella, but not all of them. Can mm-hmm. they carry other pathogens? Absolutely, but but salmonella is probably the one we we worry about the most from a human health perspective. Um It it is interesting. I'll I'll go to some farms, and they'll have a lot of rodent problems, but they won't have salmonella problems, per se, in their poultry. Um, So the rodent population does not seem to be kind of carriers. Now, does that mean that that rodent population can eventually be carriers? Absolutely. Um, and, And there hasn't been a lot of work done on uh, you know, what's the geography of, of salmonella and rodents and things like that. It's kind of an interesting area though, um, for, for the right person to, to study, I think. Um, but, but in general, um, if you do see rodents, then you kind of, I would focus again on biosecurity and stuff like that. I would double down on, uh, the eggs that I collect, not, um, eating them raw. So I, I know some of us, including myself, like those, you know, runny egg sandwiches and Caesar salads and some of these things that, that have eggs that are not completely cooked. Um, but, but if you do have that kind of scenario, you, you probably want to be a little more careful. So what do the commercial folks, um, you know, kind of do? Um, let's say a commercial farm was found to be positive for salmonella enteritidis, which is the most common serotype of salmonella causes foodborne illnesses, and it's primarily associated with poultry as far as all the the food animals that are out there. So if a farm actually tests positive, one of the things the farm can do is just send all those eggs to what we call a breaker facility, and breaker facilities basically are kind of what the name implies. They they just um, take the eggs, they crack them all, um, with these amazing machines and then they they heat treat them and then those those eggs get used in like pancake mixes and things mm-hmm. like that so if there was salmonella in there it, it's a moot coin it doesn't matter um so if i did have like okay i've got a rodent problem um i i want to be responsible but i don't i don't want to euthanize my birds and i i wouldn't see that as a scenario where you necessarily have to unless we're dealing with some you know, immunocompromised type situation, but for for most of us, I would say, look, this is probably an indication that you do have some rodent issues there, and it would probably be, you know, just to be on the to err on the side of caution, which I think is a is a good thing, especially with food safety. No one wants to get salmonellosis. It's not there's a lot of hospitalizations mm-hmm. associated with that. It's not just diarrhea, for example. Um, I would just err on the side of of cooking um um those eggs and if you cook it you should you should be fine but then i would go back again just to kind of finish up focus on why the rodents were there in the first place so mm-hmm. you you can mitigate and you know at some level almost eliminate kind of rodents and, and you just have to you have to get to be uh aggressive with your biosecurity and really fastidious with your biosecurity so that's that's hard for for some of us because we, we all have Day jobs and a gazillion things going on and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of focusing on making sure our coops are clean every day and that proper fencing um, is, is not always a, a trivial thing to do. And even if you do all that, you know, you still can have problems, but, but at least you, you have to make as much of an effort as possible, in, in my opinion.
2: Yep, the vectors are disease and we do need to do what we can to try to eliminate those burgers. So, um yep, absolutely. It all comes back down to uh biosecurity and uh And responsibility. So, hey, I'm going to go to our second commercial break. So, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with poultry veterinarian Dr. Maurice Pateski out at UC Davis, and uh, we're going to go through here uh, maybe two or three commercials, and then we'll come back. If you haven't already, you can take some notes because when we come back, we have a few more questions before we end the show. So, stay with us. We'll be back right after this short break. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock
1: from us. And now we return to backyard poultry with the chicken whisperer, with your host Andy Schneider.
2: Okay, folks, thank you very much for uh, staying with us today. I want to find something here over here on the uh, switchboard here, and uh, I just want to uh, allow it's 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 it's. It's about time to start doing this, folks, and, and while I can't believe it, it is it is time, and every year, probably for the last decade, all of you long-time podcast listeners know that is it is time. It may have even be past time to do this, but I just want to give y'all, this is a courtesy, this is a public service announcement, that if you did or didn't know, there are only, I'll repeat, there are only 42 days, 9 hours, 7 minutes, and 45 seconds until Christmas. folks i tried to warn you but i have a collection of those so uh just about every podcast between now and christmas you'll be hearing a different christmas uh themed song and uh it it takes some time to get all the chickens uh to to gather in and get on the respective roosts you know uh, um, uh, sopranos up front and the altos and the tenors and the bass and the very back and at the top and get them all uh, focused uh, long enough for me to get them to do that but it's a struggle but it's just it's something that I just have to do every year for you guys, because I know how much you, you love that. Um, <laughs> since we just came back from break, let me throw in one more uh, advertisement here. And that is uh, with uh, fall and winter uh, being here uh, right now, uh, let's face it, your chickens may be spending a little bit more time in the coop. And because of that, you may have seen now some smelly odors coming from your coop. And while there are many products on the market to try to alleviate that, number one, which I always say, regardless of what odor control a product we're talking about or reviewing is that nothing's going to take the place of good husbandry practices. Okay. Nothing. Um, we don't want to harm our chickens. If you walk in your coop and you can smell ammonia and they're only, you know, eight or nine inches away from the bedding where that uh, ammonia is coming from. And you're six feet up on top of it. If you can smell it, you can imagine what they're smelling. So no odor control product uh, is going to be an excuse, uh, for laziness and, and poor, um, uh, husbandry practices. But if you do notice that, this works fantastic in brooders as well, uh, so you want to think about that this spring. And that is the product called Chick ChickFresh. We, we utilized it here on the homestead for maybe close to a year before it came to market. Uh, and again, when I heard about things that, oh, it just comes in a spray bottle, we got to spray the bedding. Yeah, uh, I don't know how long it's going to last here. I used it last week, actually. Um, not for its intended use uh, initially because I keep some under the uh, kitchen counter uh, underneath the garbage can before I put the liner in it or the bag in it, because it works fabulous for that. Um, the rabbit hutches, uh, the cat litter boxes and of course the coops and the brooders and it is all natural and it works fantastic. I wouldn't still be using it. And yeah, I pay for it out of my hard earned dollars. Um, they send me some to, uh, do videos with and to test and then, but, um, But I I actually uh, buy it with my hard-earned money because we use it a lot around here for many different things. Uh, And you can find it on Amazon right now, Um, Chick Fresh Odor Control. Just type that in at Amazon, Chick Fresh um, Odor Control, and you'll see it there uh, advertised. And, uh, it works fantastic for all different sources and don't just take my word for it. Go look at the reviews. Whenever I post about it on my Facebook page, go look at the comments. Uh, a lot of comments that, that are not from me, uh, and all reviews are not from me on Amazon, but you can go take a look at all the reviews and, and hear from the real end user about how amazing this stuff is. So let me go ahead and bring Dr. Poteski back live here. And then we'll have a couple of more, uh, questions to wrap up the show. It looks like we're coming up on the, uh, on the east coast the three o'clock hour and so uh, we've got one more here we're going to talk about because this uh, oftentimes kind of amazes folks as well because there's just so much of this on the market and it's it's so much you know thrown in our face when we're walking down that chicken aisle we see all this stuff and and that is um adding supplements to the chicken's waterer, uh, whether it be vitamins and electrolytes, vitamins are electrolytes, are um, just vitamins or probiotic in the water, and all this different stuff that's out there uh, that be mixed in the water. We're not even going to touch apple cider vinegar because we beat that dead horse a bunch of times with apple cider vinegar. But these are more of the things that are prepackaged and you just rip them open, pour them in a gallon or so many packets per gallon, so many scoops per gallon and that type of thing. And uh, I know your uh, view and what you're probably going to say here, but many of our new listeners may not. Because let's face it, we all want the best help for our chickens, and so um, and I do here on my farm as well, with 125 layers and selling to restaurants and uh, lots of egg customers and providing for our family. We want the healthiest birds, and I can tell everybody on the show right now what do my birds get? They get Tucker Mill and laying pellets and clean fresh water. That's it. I'm not a big treat fan. We don't do food scraps. Our food scraps go to our hogs. They don't go to our chickens. We don't buy mealworms. We don't buy black soldier fly larvae for them. They get lamb pellets. Nutritionally balanced lamb pellets and clean fresh water. When we do test things and test products, we will utilize them. You'll see them about twice a year. When I get, say, black soldier fly larvae from Grumettes, I will do a video and say, hey, here is a very rare occasion you don't see very much, and then we'll demonstrate uh, uh the black soldier fly larva say with our flock and so they're like oh <laughs> you can see the surprise in my flock's face when i call them over for some black soldier fly larva and they're like uh it looks like farmer Rainy's lost his mind he's fallen off his rocker because he's given us some something other than than land pellets but you know based on that it's so funny um <laughs> two years ago and folks you can go back and look at my facebook page to find these i would oftentimes have fun with this, and I've walked out into our front pasture holding a scoop, Uh, and and I I wouldn't uh, tell folks what it is. Uh, In fact, I think the title of that particular video was, I found something that my chickens love. They come running for it, and and it's nutritionally balanced, and they just go crazy for it, and people are thinking, you know, mealworms or black soldier fly larvae or scratch or corn or something like that, and I get out there, and I start shaking the little uh, um, scoop of laying pellets. (laughs) (laughs) here come all the chickens running because everybody's like, oh, my chickens come running for their scratch. or They come running for their uh, 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 mealworms. And then here I am shaking layer pellets (laughs) in a scoop. And I'm like, here you go, chickens. And I throw out the laying pellets, and they're going crazy for it. And I'm like, there you go, folks, laying pellets. And then I've actually done that with even – uh, and don't frown on this Dr. Pertesky, but just to kind of prove my point with, you know, when people's my chickens love this, my chickens love that they come running for this. Uh, I've even done the same with uh, cow poop. I put some cow poop in a little, uh, a scoop and started shaking it and throw it on the ground. And next thing oh, they're like so excited. Oh my gosh, we can scratch through this cow poop and see what all the kind of things that we can find in this cow poop. Hmm. So um, <laughs> it's fun. I've done all kinds of fun stuff like that well, with folks regarding treats and things like that. But um, I wanted to uh, to do that, but but back to the question: vitamins and electrolytes. Uh, you know, adding them just just cause, or just because we see the ad, or just because oh I'll buy this because I want them to be healthy. Um, and we can wrap it up with this. That's a good one to wrap up with because it might surprise some folks. What's your take on just routinely adding vitamins and electrolytes uh, to our flock to maintain that health, or to think that that we think we're maintaining their health by doing this?
3: Yep. No, it's a it's a it's a very Common question. I, first, I just t- did want to mention on, on the insect um, stuff, I'm very excited about um, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that research. And, and our lab has done some work um, on that. And I am, for all kinds of reasons, very intrigued by the ability to, to feed um, poultry all over the world with insects. Uh, I think there's all kinds of reasons as the world's population grows that, that we need to consider that. Um, all kinds of, um, nutritional environmental reasons. So that, that is, I think, um, it really just interesting area and, and, and over the next decade mm-hmm. or so, it'll be interesting to see how that, how that, um, Kind of folds into into commercial poultry production around the mm-hmm. world, not just in the U.S. So I I, I love that um, that you that you that you work with that product actually. That's, that's, hey, uh, I can tell you, it's and they're actually see.
2: sourced out. They're actually sourced out in California. Uh, the Grubettes, are their farm is out in California, and they do food waste, and they do yep, they do food mm-hmm. waste where. And we've talked when they had them on the show, we were talking. This is not like when a restaurant scrapes all the food you didn't eat off the plate into a barrel, but that they don't get that. They're talking about food waste from grocery stores that, you know, ha- yep. however the grocery store determines that these are no longer sellable on our floor, then they go and they collect these from these major grocery stores in California and maybe elsewhere and out of state too. Um, but it's basically grocery store waste and then they have their farm out there and it's all U- USA source with those black soldier fly larvae. And, um, you know, a, a, a top, uh, Backyard chicken feed producer capitalized on that uh, many months ago, and I was telling everybody, I was telling my current sponsor at the time, which was not Tucker Milling, um, that, you know, um, are you going to be first in line or are you going to be last in line? Because somebody, now that Ooh. the FDA FDA has approved, uh, you know, um, black soldier fly larvae as a protein or a feed Stuff for for poultry because it was used I think in fish and some other things for a long time but poultry it was all new um, and I said it's just going to be a matter of time before it's on the shelf and sure enough a um top brand did capitalize on that. They were the first, uh, out the gate. They were the first one to put their product on the shelf. I have no idea how it's selling or, or if it's it's nationwide or just uh, certain stores, but it says something like, you know, uh, protein derived from insects or 50% of the protein in this bag is derived from insects and things like that. So I completely agree. And before I, I want to do this, and I want everybody out there to get that pen and paper ready right this second. Um, and that is, um, Uh, Dr. Pateski, if you will share with all of our listeners, and I'll do it on Facebook after the show's over, um, if you can share, I believe it's a YouTube channel that you or your department or your school is doing, uh, again, to educate and share all of your findings and experience and whatnot, chicken keepers. So I have no problems with that. I meant to do it earlier in the show, but um, that's why I'm doing it now before we get this vitamins and minerals question that everybody's hanging on to listen about, do I need to add these to my vlog? because I'll forget again. I'm not getting any younger, but if you'll share the YouTube that you've got so that we can all tune into and watch some of these things um, about uh, our poultry health and whatnot, that would be fantastic.
3: Yeah, thanks for for that plug. So uh, if you um, go to YouTube and you search for UC Davis Vet Med Poultry University, UC Davis Vet Med Poultry University, we have a, uh, a group of videos there, um, including a, a new one called The Sitch, um, which basically is just a... A Three minute little uh, video uh, hosted by me on various topics um, and uh, various other videos so you can become a subscriber and and you'll just when you become a subscriber, as Mm -hmm. most of you probably know, you just get little um, updates every time a new video comes. Um, So that's one thing. And then the only other thing I was going to mention, if you go to we have an app now also called Backyard Poultry Central. So cool. if you go to the Google Play Store, we, we don't have, we have the Android version, not the Apple version yet, but that's hopefully coming at some point. Uh, but if you go to Google Play Store and type in Backyard Culture Essential, um, you'll find, find our app. As far as I can tell, that's the, the first app that, that comes from kind of an academic institution. And um, our goal is to help um, people know when there's outbreaks of disease and um, kind of best practices, and it's just also a nice way to keep up with. Uh, some of the stuff we're, we're doing um, in our lab that's hopefully useful for, for backyard um, poultry owners. Um, as far as kind of your, your question on, mm-hmm. the, on probiotics and, and electrolytes and vitamins. So, uh, first of all, you know, we, we, we know kind of what we know about poultry based upon uh, research uh, at, at the commercial level. So uh, commercial producers, you know, don't want to spend more money than they have to, unless there's an effect. If there's a positive effect, then 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 they'll then they'll consider it. Obviously. So uh, when it comes to electrolytes and vitamins, so so chicks, baby chicks, will typically get um, uh, vitamins and electrolytes um, their first day of age, um, and then after that, um, th- everything else is basically covered in their ration. Now, probiotics, um, uh, lots of poultry companies will give um, broilers and layers probiotics. Um, now, the question is, what probiotics? I think I've joked in the past that every time I go to a poultry meeting, um, there's always a talk. There's multiple talks on probiotics, and it is amazing. Every single person that gives their talk on probiotics, for some reason, their probiotic is better than everyone else's probiotics when they, when they do their, their experiment. <laughs> So as an epidemiologist and a, and a curmudgeon, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of that. That being said, I, I, you know, there is a lot of evidence and a lot of literature that does show probiotics work, which ones work better than others. That's where the snake oil kind of comes in a little. And I'm, I'm highly skeptical of, of, of some of the studies that are, that are out there, especially the ones that are industry funded, just being from my perspective, like I, 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 I have my issues with that, but that being said, the science of probiotics, absolutely. It does it make a huge effect relative to biosecurity. No, Um, but it does have an effect. Um, And, and, you know, the question is, you know, what probiotics, how often uh, do I need to get prebiotics? Answer, short answer to that is yes. How do I give them, there's a little, you know, kind of, you know, kind of snake oil in that a little. So, I'm not opposed to probiotics at all. In fact, if, if you had you know rodents that you were, you were dealing with and you found your chicken um, was exposed to, to potentially exposed to salmonella, maybe that's a, a good time to consider probiotics. There is a dogma, just very briefly, that if you're going to give probiotics, um, you want to do that earlier in life um, as possible because you want to colonize the gut um, before the gut gets colonized. So when, when animals are born, their guts are basically sterile and then the the bacteria that they're exposed to um, kind of right off the bat colonizes the gut. So there is a dogma to to do more early on on the probiotic side. Um, But I'm not, for those of you that don't do probiotics, eh, I'm not opposed to that for the most part either. Um, It it, it does have an effect. It's it's minimal from, from my understanding of the literature, but it does have a positive effect um, and, 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 um, you know, whether it's what we call causal or not, we, we can have some arguments about that. But um, it, it does seem it does seem to work. The vitamin thing, unless we're doing it just day of age, other than that, I, I say stick to a regular ration.
2: Okay. Great. Fantastic. So, uh, I, and I kind of go based on kind of what you said in the past is that, you know, all of mine right now appear to be healthy. I, I learned a long time ago listening to you, you professionals that come on the show is that, and, and, and it's been probably over a decade, and I've never say it. I've said, oh, my chickens are very healthy. Well, you can't, I can't say that. I cannot say, oh, my chickens are absolutely 100% all healthy. I haven't had them tested for anything. They could be walking around carrying mycoplasma, they could be walking around. And salmonella everywhere they could be i don't know I cannot honestly say my chicken they appear healthy, but again, we know that chickens that have salmonella can appear healthy and have absolutely zero signs, so i um, I feel like my chickens are healthy so at this point related back to what we're the topic is that i, I don't I don't have anything I'm adding to their water on a, on a regular basis. Um, if I do add something through their water, um, especially in the hot summer months, uh, which now it's starting to get away from that, obviously, is uh, there's some enzyme products uh, through uh, carefree enzymes that I'll add in the summertime to help keep, you know, the algae down and bacteria and things like that, uh, water protector carefree like enzymes that, that I use for that but I, I don't do the apple cider vinegar and uh, vitamins and electrolytes if I ever use those um, it's going to be also in those hot summer months when they may be more stressed because we know hot is a lot more detrimental and stressful to chickens than the cold ever will be and so uh, here in the south it ends up being you know adding that additive water to help with some bacteria in the summer as well as maybe vitamins uh, and electrolytes only on the ho- hottest days of the hottest months and that's it here, because, again, I don't see any reason with what I presume to be a healthy flock, um, uh, or what they appear to be a healthy flock, to to, to utilize that. So um, thanks for uh, talking all about that, and thanks for sharing that. So I've got Backyard – let's see, is it Backyard Poultry Central? Is that the app? Backyard yep, Chicken backyard Central? Backyard
3: Poultry Central.
2: Backyard Poultry Central. And give us that YouTube one more time, because I know it was several yeah. little
3: – Yeah. Uh, UC Davis Vet Med Poultry University.
2: Perfect, and then they can go there and uh, and read, watch, and also to on that YouTube. So um, is that you can hit subscribe, but then above that apparently there's another one where you actually I think people call it ring the bell. So you can click the bell to subscribe, but then there's another option uh, which is the bell where it has little uh, marks on it to appear that's ringing, and I think that's when you get like all the updates. You you might get the occasional share if you subscribe, but I think there's a subscribe button, but then above that, there's also a a button where you can hit where you get like every update they do every single day, if they're doing one every day or twice a day or once a month or whatever. So, So if you're into YouTube, then you'll know about that, and so you can choose based on how much you want to get that information. If you want to get every single update, then you can hit that extra special button um, uh, versus, and the subscribe are that extra, uh, button too. that get you even more, I think, material from that particular, uh, uh, source. So, uh, keep that in mind if you're new to YouTube. That's one thing I've had to slowly learn a little bit more about lately is, is of course, the YouTube. So, um. But um, yeah, uh, Doc, thank you very much for joining us today. These are always popular. They always get tons of listens and uh, we may try to do it. I think next month when you come on, we'll have a specific topic um, that we'll talk about because I know people love that. But maybe uh, every once a quarter we can do these, you know, this week's top questions because they always get a lot of listens because people can relate. They're like, I saw that question today, or I saw that this week, or even I had that question last week on a forum, and I got all these crazy different opinions of answers, and now I've I've got something a little bit more concrete that I can go with. So thanks for your um, availability to to do that and the topic and participate, and we'll, we'll see you next month. Thanks for coming on. Great, thank you
3: so much, Andy. Have a good, thank you have too. a good break.
2: You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Alrighty, folks. I think that's going to wrap it up. Let me just give you all some reminders here. Chicken Whisperer Magazine, the digital edition, is absolutely free. Uh, there's no bait and switch. The magazine's been out for six or seven years, and it has always been free online. ChickenWhispMagazine.com. You can read every single article that's ever been written in um, uh, By poultry scientist, uh, Dr. Bridget McRae, poultry veterinarian, Dr. Uh, Maurice Poteski, you just heard, poultry scientist, Dr. Zach Williams, uh, poultry uh, veterinarian, uh, Dr. Jessica, I'm so embarrassed I can't remember her last name. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we have a whole great team of contributors, and you can have access to all that information as well for free. If you like a real magazine to hold in your hands while you sit in your easy chair and flip through and catalog, uh, that's great. $9.95 $9.95 per year, four issues every year, winter, spring, summer, and fall. You can access it all absolutely free, chickenwhispermagazine.com. Also, you can hear this podcast, which we try to do every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern uh, Daylight Time. And there's over 1,100 of these episodes. The, the radio show you just heard, over 1,100, because we've been doing the show for over 12 years, maybe over 13 years now. Um and of course, the magazine and all the books are still available on Amazon. Uh, uh, at least one of them uh, co-offered uh, by today's guest, uh, poultry um, uh, veterinarian Dr. Maurice Pateski. But there's the Chicken Whispers Guide uh, for Keeping Chickens. Uh, there's the revised edition of that. There's Chicken Factor, Chicken Poop. There is a um, uh, Gardening with Chickens. Uh, there is a um, one about uh, that just came out this past august which is a very beginner's book a beginner's guide to keeping backyard chickens so there's four books uh you can just look that up either by the author Andy Schneider yours truly or and you can find them in many times tractor supply barnes and noble books a million um and places like that as well so uh, thanks for tuning in and we will make sure we see you a little bit later maybe next
1: thursday welcome to
2: backyard poultry with the chicken whisperer brought to you by Well, that doesn't work. Let me push the
1: right button here on the switchboard. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling, with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com. On Facebook, by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter, at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram, at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.